Tired of the same bleep year after year? SaaS companies are scrambling to get SOC 2 and ISO 27001 compliant so they can reduce sales barriers, boost customer trust, and increase the protection of sensitive data. But the compliance process is super complicated and time-consuming for startup CTOs, CEOs, CISOs, founders, and engineers who have maybe just a few other better things to do. Well, SOC 2 doesn't have to suck. Sightail is a global leader in SOC 2 and ISO 27001 security compliance automation, helping fast-growing SaaS companies get compliant and stay compliant, fast, smart, and effortless. Visit Sightail.ai. That's S-C-Y-T-A-L-E dot A-I. So welcome everyone to the SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate marketing team or taking your products global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up and work smarter. So today we're joined by Mayron Gallus, who is a strategic and tactical leader in the realm of security compliance. Having worked with hundreds of SaaS companies, including small startups and Fortune 500, Mayran built compliance programs for rapidly growing organizations and is passionate about implementing security controls that leverage automation, reduce the cost of compliance, and mitigate business risks. So welcome, Mayran. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. So I guess really to start off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your role at Sightail? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Um, of course. So as you said, um, I'm an expert in, in the domain of security compliance for SaaS companies. Um, actually, I began my way a while ago at EY. I was a manager at the technology risk department. And back in the days, I was doing audits and multiple audits for hundreds of companies um, in, in the uh, domain of cybersecurity, uh, recruitment, HR, healthcare, payments, payroll, uh, business application, and et cetera. And so being there and, and, and actually performing uh, so many audits, I, I get in love with, with the experience of meeting people understanding architecture and, and struggles that each organization and company has in the journey of, uh, of implementing compliance controls and achieving successful results um, in the end of the day while saving time and boosting trust from customers. Yeah, it's a very impressive uh, niche you found. So I'm looking forward to diving into a little bit about security compliance and your role, really. Um, so I guess, firstly, why did you uh, choose to become an entrepreneur? Um, that's a good question. Um, you can say in a way it's found me, but also from uh, in, in my uh, college degree, in my first degree, I remember that there was, I always had a passion for exploration and building business model and finding um, solution for problems. It's just uh, um, something that I somehow was rolled in and I loved it. I loved it and I still love it. And this is why I get into it. Um, I always try to deliver more 
then uh, then I get, get when I was getting paid at EY, um, and I guess passion was led the way for me to learn more, to deep dive, to understand, to think um, how it could be done better, and leveraging all this information and knowledge and experience after a few years actually helped me a lot when when I decided to um, leave EY and create Saitel, uh, Saitel AI. And also the passion for helping other startups in which I was very familiar as part of my role at EY um, and seeing them, their challenges, there's so, so much complexity and time-consuming process. Um, I always believed that it could be done better. Um, and I was just uh, eager to to deep dive and see how I can make it better for them. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. That's a common theme um, that people like yourself, they just want to provide solutions. Um, so I guess that sort of leads me into my next question. So can you tell us a little bit about security compliance as a whole and why Cytel exists? Yes, of course. So in the general perspective, um, security compliance is basically a norm of uh, um, all structured of, of policies and procedures governing and, and risk that company actually need to manage. Um, so managing all of the security efforts is vast. It's, it's complex and you have the application security and you have uh, uh, frameworks, regulation, and standards. You have guidelines. You have controls. Um, you have many things that actually you need to take into consideration. And once you need to prepare your company or want to actually build a robust security program, and actually a company will need to choose one framework or standard that works for them. It can be the ISO 27001. SOC 2, NIST, or many other frameworks, uh, solid frameworks out there. Now, actually, companies and mainly startups doesn't really have the time um, to um, just do it because they want to do it, but this is actually a requirement that comes from customers or potential customers. And because this is a, a requirement, they know that they must go through this process um, and because they must go through this process, they need to do it in a manner that is actually gonna be um, fast, smart, save them time and not just waste their time in order for them to invest their time and skills into development of the product, into hiring uh, talents, into uh, funding the company, and most important, making sales, making sales of, of their great, initiatives, ventures, and products for, for corporates and enterprises. Um, and in order to do it, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough because they still have so much stuff that they need to do. Um, and this is the complexity around it. Um, many times they don't have the, the knowledge or the experience around it. And they also don't have the time, nor the will. And in other yeah. words, they don't care at this particular moment about the security of the company, they more care about the speed and features they have in the product and bringing those customers in. 
So because this is the most number one and two reasons that drive the company growth, um, they know that they need to do it. And this is just uh, um, something that needs to get done. But all the same, my approach is that if you're already doing that, don't just um, utilize a check-in-the-box mentality. Yeah. You're already wa- wasting or investing your time in it. So at least get some value out of the process in order to boost sell and, and prepare the company for scale. Um, so this is about security and compliance in general. Um, in, in, a, in a bit, it's every framework has some structure. Company need to design controls, implement the controls within the company as a countermeasure for a certain risk and reduce this risk for a certain a, a, an acceptable level. And this acceptable level and these controls actually can come as part of the software development lifecycle. It's part of the access control, it's part of the risk assessment, vendor management, and etc. So as you see, I'm very passionate about it. And this is why I started Cytel. I, I created Cytel because I wanted to take my experience and knowledge and save this time for startups. And in the same breath, helping them building trust within their company and for prospects, for invest, uh, investors, for customers, for um, and actually any partners that will be working and collaborating with the company. No, yeah, fascinating stuff. So I guess really it's um, you're selling like the benefits to the end user, which is gains trust and obviously saving time, which I guess um, is something that you communicate throughout your marketing. Um, and that's really the main benefits you address. Yeah, that that's that's correct. That's correct. Saving time and also boosting uh, boosting the level of compliance, uh, boosting the level of security compliance, and um, in 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 a way that leveraging technology in order to automating whatever that could be automated, um, having everything in a single source of truth, um, and and actually all of the manual recurrent process that we can automate. This is what we are focused on. Fascinating. Um, yeah, I guess sort of just to circle back a little bit. Um, so obviously you, you're a passionate guy, especially in this niche. Could you tell us a little bit about like how you really started Sightail and like what that looked like? Yes, of course. So I was working at EY for a few years. I understand it could be done better and EY wasn't the right place um, for this because I really want to help the startups. They really need that, this help and this time and experience and knowledge. And because of conflict of interest, you know, the, the, there is on one side the auditor and the other side the company. Um, and the auditor will audit the company. So we can't advise and supply um knowledge and building and implementing processes and procedures. So I left EY, I actually designed um, the product requirement documentation. I find my partner, an investor in the rec tech um, industry, um, and we uh, started our journey together. And the beginning I was sitting in, in a room by myself and my background in technology actually helped me 
in order to build all of these uh, uh, user stories and product requirements and different diagrams and, and uh, flow charts. And in the same breath, I was also looking for my first employee in the company. I was looking for the chief technology officer. Wow. Or someone that can develop uh, uh, my vision and also believe in my vision. And then I found it. And I found Tom. He's a genius. And he joined the company after three months. Uh, it was enough time for me to, to actually generate and work on the, the product and the business logic in the product. Also start working with a customer as a, um, I will call it consulting and design partner, um, exploring both sides of the equation. In the beginning, I, I have been an auditor um, for hundreds of audits, hundreds of audits for SaaS companies in Israel, in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and in different places around the world. And afterwards, being a compliance officer, and compliance officer has some different incentive than the, than the auditor. So seeing both part of the equation actually helped me a lot into designing everything and, and finding customers. Um, and, you know, hit the road, hit the road. And like one year afterwards, and we have more, today we have more than 50 customers. We have a great product and we educate companies and we actually want to give stuff for free if they want to do this by themselves we will support them we've been All there right. you know we understand the side of being a startup you have a limited resources time is an essence is critical for everything and you might have some cases that you won't be able to to put uh, um and put the budget over it so we do want to be very cost effective but also educate um, entrepreneurs around how to build a, a robust security compliance full scale by themselves um, if they want to. Yeah, that, that's really cool strategy. I like the fact that, say, you're working with startups and they can't necessarily use your service for whatever reason. You provide the coaching and the knowledge behind that. So I guess that's actually a great way of, developing relationships with those clients and i guess a lot of those will then begin to use your other services as well yeah that's true that's true um actually we we designed and we created lots of stuff that we give for free for startups and also our our product our technology and and services are not uh, uh, are not very expensive actually because we want to grow with the companies. We understand they have the the precise stage seed round A, B, and and, and etc. And we do want to evolve and grow with them. So this is our strategy, and we want to build a robust and and be their trusted compliance partner. Uh, in the end of the day, this is our strategy: giving value. Yeah, definitely. That's always the best strategy. Give value and people will use your service. That's how it works. Um, yeah, so just something you, you um, just to touch on something you said earlier about you just like sitting in a room with this idea, flow charts in front of you. I guess like it takes a certain kind of person to build something from thin air, from scratch. And I find it fascinating and inspiring. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about like the kind of skills needed to bring something like that to fruition and to life? 
Definitely, definitely. So um, as a disclaimer, my bachelor degree, I was, I'm a bachelor of science in information systems. It did help me um, navigating and actually accumulating tools. Tools like knowing that diagrams are exist, a diagram that I will be able to use afterwards and how to build mockups before, um, uh, before we're wasting a, a minute of writing code Let's just understand what's going to be the, the visual, very basic visual and business logic of the platform. Um, you don't have to do a degree uh, also. You know, you can find everything online. Go to YouTube, go to Google, go to Udemy, go to so many great um, bloggers, vloggers, like Encyclopedia. You can find so many things out there. You just need to, to look for and I will just say getting the, the basic tools you need um, at the beginning of the way to understand a little bit about technology, about how to design and write and, and put it into writing. You know, you need to create something should be written because once the tech guy, the engineers will join them, join the, the uh, um, join the ship. They need to, you need to communicate with them in a common sense, in a common language. And these uh, materials actually helped me a lot into streamlining everything in a very simple and clear way. And it helped us to boost and accelerate the product development, bringing my expertise and knowledge as a security compliance expert and their expertise as engineers and developers. So this was our common sense. But in general, I will say, you know, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of backend, of front-end, of a, a design, of, a, of cloud application, of um, and system design and system documentation. So it helped me a lot through the process. Yeah, really, really impressive. I guess that sort of leads me on to my next question then. Um, so what have been some of the main sort of hurdles you've come across and as a startup and how have you managed to deal with those? Um, all right. In the beginning, I would say just understand what you want to do. Um, it, sound, it might be sound easy and maybe you, you think you already know. But actually, there is still the research that you will need to do and support this. When I'm saying research, um, I mean um, speaking out with, with potential customers, do some customer reviews, understand how to do customer reviews, because eventually you want to compare apples to apples. So it, it needs to make sense and support your decision afterwards. And also get some benchmarks, see what's going outside. Um, you are not living in a vacuum and how people actually work right now. And that's interesting, what type of solution they have. Um, that's the second thing. And the third is intuition. And you have to, like, you, you have to, to, to have some intuition, something that you also bring from yourself and from your experience, from your past, from your anywhere, school, previous work, um, life, and put it all together and kind of combining everything, that will be the most critical part in the beginning and, and drifting this and also finding like people that believe 
uh, in your vision. Like the initial team is crucial. If you find some someone that is a nine to five guy, um, I don't think that's that's the type of person you would want in this stage of the company. You want someone that is committed. You want someone that is driven, is motivated, and is passionate. And that's what I was looking for. More than experience, I was looking for passion and potential. And this all the initial team, I, I, I looked deep into the eyes and I could actually see that we have, I believe that we have a good match and, and this is what happened. And, you know, these people are really committed. They really care. And I think that's what making the, the difference. So starting from knowing what you want, documenting stuff and put it into experiment um, before you write even one line of code and finding great people, which is always important. That's the two key parts in the beginning of my way. Yeah, talent is a, a big thing in startups and really crucial part of it. Um, one thing I've come across is you can teach skill and higher attitude, which is, uh, which is exactly what you were saying there. And as obviously attitude is what you want to find. So touching on that, have you got any tips in terms of finding the right talent and hiring the right talent? You know, this is the million dollar question. Um, you always look, you can never be sure. You can never be sure. I found some great people down the road and I really want them to work together, but not always there is a, the perfect fit. Sometimes they have some other constraints, so it doesn't work out. I know someone was living far, I really want him to join, but he was living far away and he had a family, so it was a problem for him. In other case, someone was waiting for uh, his ESOP, his equity, to get released on the camp from the other company. And I couldn't wait this, this long. Uh, time was critical. Um, but if, if anyhow, I, I will, uh, anyway, will try to look and think, um, what I do think that is very critical. Um, so I would say first, try to test for potential. Potential, I think it's the key part. And also look at the passion, how passionate it is. I know that I'm repeating myself, but I do believe that if someone is, doesn't love what they do, so it's only a, ma a matter of time until he's going to leave the company and, and go somewhere else. And then it's going to cost you much more. So this is why I'm insisting on it. And also in some other cases, you also need to, uh, um, to test uh, achievements. Achievements are critical because achievements results um, especially when it's come to marketing and sales, but not only, you know, um, I remember when I was interviewing someone for the engineer and engineering role and I asked him in a question and he said, look, it's not possible. And I was interviewing some other people and then I interviewed someone else and I asked him, is it possible? And he said, everything is possible. You know, we just need to find out. So I really like this kind of approach, you know, um, and I really got connected to it. And also you, you need to find some good chemistry. You can feel it in the room. If someone yeah. come inside and, and you see someone that like, you will go and drink beer with this guy. Like you have in time, if it's only you and him sitting in a room all day, every day for months, would mm -hmm. you have fun or would you be miserable? 
<laughs> and you know, I think that's something that is really important to consider. Um, and also taking this, um, you know, every company has the stage. My, I, I, I've been in the city in the initial stage, and maybe you know, in in more uh, growth company like a company that are in a different scale. It might be they might have some other things that will be more important, you know. Um, so this is something that I would say. And last but not least, uh, and I'm taking this from Jeff Bezos, but he said uh, in his book, uh, Annual Letters for Investors, that he always looking to, to see if this person is going to increase the average of the quality of the people that currently work in the company or decrease it. Right. And if he would feel that he's increasing the quality of the, uh, the average quality, he will die of the person. So I think this is a good uh, uh, thumb rule. Yes, really interesting point. I like that perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I guess another thing as well that is part of your role is communicating the vision of the company with your team, like with different functions. And that's important because it provides people a purpose and it gives them passion. So would you say that um, your vision when you first started the company to now has sort of changed or is it sort of the vision has stayed the same? I would say the core vision more or less remained the it, it did remain the same, but the the, um, the steps into getting there changed like a million times. You know, in the beginning, I was thinking of one thing, and then we released our uh, um, alpha version, and then I saw that customer actually worked with different models that I all think that they will work with. So I was training this part and this part and. The fact that we start working with customer from day one gave us a lot of feedback, also lots of bugs and frustration. But there is a saying, if you release in the product and you are not embarrassed at it, you release it too late. So <laughs> release it fast, get some customer reviews, customer feedbacks, see what sometimes, you know, we've, we, were, we thought that customer will... Um, and invest most of the time when they will be using their product in, in the monitoring screen. And eventually they, some of them decided to put their time in some other screen. So we made some thinking, do we need to educate our customer how to use the product? Or maybe we need to align ourselves with like where customer love to hang out while they're using the product. So. This is something that, you know, this is just A-B testing, iteration, um, doing like building, measuring, learning, and repeating. I would say this is the process from the Lean Startup. That's what we tried to implement. And we still trying not only in the research and development department, but in all of the de departments in the company. And it's always gonna be work in progress as you grow, you're gonna have, you think you're bringing more people, so you're gonna have less stuff to worry about, but somehow it's exactly the opposite because then you deep dive. You've yeah. seen 100 different things that you did in Saudi phone. That's really cool. 
Um, yeah, so I guess just to get a little bit more specific into Sidetail then, can you tell us a little bit about how you convince customers to use your service, stay with you, and I guess talk a little bit about your sales process? All right, all right. So we uh, work with SaaS companies in the beginning of the ways with companies starting from two employees to 1,000 employees. It's really fair. But many times startups already know today that they will need um, to actually achieve compliance and which framework really depends on the region that they or, or the industry that they are uh, um, operating. And if they plan to sell into the United States market um, and they are a SaaS B2B model, I would say that they will need most likely the SOC SOC2. Um, if they plan and they have business activity in Europe, in the EU borders, they will need to implement and achieve ISO 27001. And this is only about security. I'm not speaking about privacy, which this is a different regulation. Um, so once they knowing that, because they actually get any, they hearing this from their prospect and from potential customers, and they understand it's not an if, but it's a when question. And that's the only question. And this process takes some time. It can take four months, six months, eight months. I know companies took them three years. So it's yeah. really depend on the company. Yeah, yeah, because they lost the way. People were not proactively pushing this, this project. They, 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 they were getting into some spot in which it was really, really very difficult to harness the, the stakeholders and moving on and pushing these projects for an end, implementing these procedures. So this is a cumulative efforts of, of the company. And you do need the management support when you're yeah. going for security compliance of security certifications. Um, so this is important, you know, and, and this is a must, like every company need an accountant uh, or externally or internally, but they will need to have financial services, right? Same goes with security compliance. This is part of building trust in the company. These days, my data um, as a company is actually spread between multiple vendors and IT vendors I'm working with. And my data that they store actually go for their vendors as well. So this is like a big chain of, of technology on the one end, it's great because Technology thrive and it's innovative and technology moving very fast forward um, and exponential growing every year. Yeah. And on the other side, in order to, to keep this trust within the, this innovation, we need to work on, on the security, on the data protection, on the basic and robust uh, security infrastructure in order to, to allow all of this. So this is regarding the sales Many times, first-timers startups doing this for the first time will actually hear from other, uh, uh, from one of their uh, customers or a few of their customers that it will be asking this from them, especially if these are corporates in many industries, but it can be tech giants, it can be banking, insurance, um, and uh, healthcare, and more and more and more. Um, Second-timers or companies that do it for a while see how much time it's consuming from them. Imagine that the chief technology officer need to invest 250 hours 
only on SOC 2. Wow. Instead of, of developing the product, uh, building the architecture, uh, putting investing his time in, in the core uh, job responsibilities. So this is what we actually trying to work on um, and, and reducing this time. And these processes are recurrent. They will need to achieve compliance every year. It's not a one-time thing. After the first year, on the second year, for SOC 2, the auditor will come and he will test the effective, the operating and effectiveness of controls over a period of 12 months. So he will be looking backwards and will be asking for hundreds of evidence and doing this every year. This is um, exhausting, it's, it's complex, it's time consuming. So this is why customer choosing um, to um, remain with us and you know, um, our retention is growing and also we try and, and we keep and working on giving the best service that we can give. You know, we have a customer, like customer, uh, uh, each customer is like our first customer. This is the approach that we want to implement in the compliance success team. And each one of our uh, customer actually getting a personalized um, um, uh, approach and meetings and everything is customized and personalized on one end and on the other end we do want to leverage our technology to streamline yep. everything smooth so i guess retention is obviously a strong kpi for you and so have you built out a customer success function within sidetail then yes definitely and um, also it was in a very early stage after six months Oh, really? And because, yes, we call them compliance success manager and compliance. not customer success like because it. these people are also experts in security compliance. These people were working at the, at the big four at security corporates. They have vast knowledge around these uh, domains. And they also have knowledge in which we educate them within the company using technology and tools and, and practices that we learned it. We learned um, about how to give the best service regarding information security and regarding compliance, regarding support, um, and regarding a general customer success activities. If they have any problem with the product, with the building. So these people are specialists and well-trained for this job. And our compliance success team is something that is uh, very important for me. So is customer success something you highly value in your organization? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because eventually they are the face of the company. Yeah. And when we have a customer and we'll do a kickoff and then we'll, he will meet his, his compliance success manager, a dedicated compliance success manager. And this compliance success manager will onboard him through the platform. We'll have uh, ongoing meetings with him. We'll escort him through the audit. So this is an ongoing effort and you need to have good chemistry. Um, so I, it's really, we were speaking earlier about hiring and I, I personally uh, interview each one of them and we, we try to always raise the bar and bring the best and the nicest people and the most professional people we can find. Impressive, yeah. Um, so... 
Going back on to compliance then, so why why do companies actually need relevant compliance? Um, why our company needs compliance? Why your customers? Why do companies out there, your target market, why would they need relevant compliance? So look, 10 years ago, they didn't really need, but as cloud evolved, and we can see corporates migrated to the cloud, and startup of two, three, four employees working from home, utilizing AWS or GCP or Azure, and building their product, uh, relying on on cloud service uh, provider. So, uh, in this world, uh, in, you know, it's a chain of trust. It's part of the vendor acceptance procedure. Think about the next scenario: a startup is building a great product, and it has a very a huge value. And they have a discussion with some design partner or potential customer into purchasing their product. Yeah. But the, their buyer actually love the product. But then he says, okay, now I need to move it for the security department. And then they will be asked by the security department if they are in compliance with SOC 2, for example, or ISO 27001. And in this case, they want to say yes. And if they will say no, and most likely it will block the deal. They don't want to lose a deal because a tactical move. They want to enable growth through good implementation and planning of their business objectives. And that's including security and compliance. This is part of the roadmap into growth. In the beginning, it might be only SOC 2 and or ISO 27001. Then they will also need to implement maybe privacy regulation and assessment like GDPR. Um, and it's going on and on and on. If they will be operating in the healthcare industry, they might be uh, requested to um, be in compliance and do self-assessment for HIPAA or be certified for a high trust, which are um, a healthcare certification. So this is basically put the, the infrastructure for growth and it support the company for growth, not only because achieving them, but also because they actually get to build right procedures within the company. For example, if a company is hiring the person, they will have a control about the hiring procedure and who's allowing, who's approving the budget. And what type of, do, do, they, do you do background checks? Do you do reference checks? Um, once a, a, an employee starts work, what's the trigger to give him access? Do we need to sign on MDA, on acceptable use policy, on the information security policy? Do we go through some training or security awareness training? All of these are controls. And actually, these controls make sense. Because then, when this employee will leave the company, you also need to offboard him. This is part of the employee life cycle. And what type of access did you grant him? You know, sometimes blocking his, uh, his email domain is not enough because the attack surface remain and the exposure remain and you want to reduce it. So this is part uh, and why I think that security compliance is so important and, and good for companies in growth. Amazing. Um, could you tell us about your competitive advantage then? Exactly like how you save your clients time and re- and increase trust. Yes, I would love to. Um, so when we were designing the product, 
And we saw some other alternatives out there, but they were too complex, you know, too many, so much text, so many screens. It's like the CTO of the company need to onboard for a month and, and make it work. It wasn't a plug and play, it was difficult. And we tried to create the simplest platform possible for managing this complex security compliance procedure. Some simplicity was an essence, was critical for us. And this, I think also and from our customer reviews, we, we get seen that it's really easy on the eyes. It's really simple for um, not a chief information security officer to understand what's going on, where they are standing in the project, what is the percentage of automation, what they need to do, how do we centralize everything into one place? And not only that, not only building trust and, and achieving security certification, but also reflecting this outside. This is the case, like building something outside that can reflect that the company do care about the compliance. It's not just saying uh, it, it's not just saying that, but they do care and they do work hard on achieving this. And I think we we also have a great uh, features around it. Um, how we worked on the the level on automation and, and controls, and the business logic of connecting um, some automated stuff with manual stuff with different frameworks and and putting everything to allow company to scale fast, um, not managing version every year and bringing all stakeholders into one place and all the same remain and working with their love tools like Slack, Teams. And, and I think that was a very part and major role that we took on ourselves and, and into building and, and implementing. Thank you for that, uh, Mehran. Um, yeah, so, in terms of the future of security compliance, what are some of the trends? What are some of the future trends you have your eye on in that space? So if in the past we used to see um, security certification standards, frameworks, regulation based on regions or countries, then we see it based on industry, you know, the payment industry and healthcare industry. And afterwards we saw um, FedRAMP, for example, for companies that want to collaborate and, and partner with federal agencies in the United States. And we start getting to seeing um, security compliance audits based on technology, uh, technology like the blockchain technology, um, like um, automated vehicles technology, like AI engines that can get autonomous decision. And sometimes it's decision that actually directly impact on people's life. So I think we're gonna, we, we will see more and more compliance lagging behind, but still achieving um, to, to building frameworks and audits around the technology and also utilizing the technology, for example, compliance on blockchain and compliance through blockchain, utilizing the blockchain technology. What we also going to see is today companies going through an audit once a year, even though it might be over a period of time, it's still once a year approach. It will be shifting for a daily uh, approach. We're gonna see yep. a daily audit, daily collection of stuff. It, everything's gonna become fast 
uh, on time. And we're going, going to see this evolve in the upcoming years. I guess, yeah, that uh, leads me on to the next question. How do you create a product function, like a product infrastructure geared towards innovation? And like you said, like tackling or like working to work towards those future trends? Mm, you need to have, like, you need to, first of all, have some understanding about the market, about the niche, uh, every discussion with multiple uh, um, entities and organization and body of knowledge with customer, with audit firms, with a body of knowledge like uh, the Cloud Security Alliance, like the uh, SACA, um, like uh, IC Square, and many organizations that actually working and uh, have uh, working groups. I'm part of the uh, working groups into of the um, ISACA and then, um, excuse me, CSA around developing a continuously metric auditing um, and structure and, and methodology for the future. So around research research academy, uh, I think we, we will see more and more coming in handy. In the past, it used to be something that was care only for enterprises. Today, we see like two employees company also care about them. Also, current need it, you know, need compliance. So, I see the trends in this industry. Uh, we keep exploring, researching, and reading, and also bringing what uh, our own imagination. We had an hackathon about the future of compliance, yeah, not too long ago, you know, and and we had like eight teams and seven teams, and they were developing crazy stuff in only twenty four hours, and that was so great to see. Um, so many directions that compliance can go. Um, and that was was done only in 24 hours. So only imagine what we can do uh, once we get there. Yeah, definitely. Um, another point I'd sort of like to address is, so like you, when you're building out this product, this solution, do you have any tips or advice for our audience for like a go-to-market strategy? Um, I, yes, I think, you know, um, making sales, uh, in, in startup, the beginning, the way, of course, friends, partners, previous customers, they, they own network, LinkedIn, whatever they can get will be good. Okay. Whatever they can get. So I think just jump into the water and the sooner, the better don't wait building the best product out there and only then go to customer. Start with something that is very basic, you know, but work with the customer and around the customer. So even though that you don't have a product, still I would say focus around the customer and, and do this, these sales. Go out and, and see if you have a product market fit. It really depends. On MySpace, and I, I understand the value of it, but in other spaces, in very innovative um stuff i don't know everyone in his business and his venture so you need to explore it the sooner the better now once you you see something all right once you see maybe people just want it you know this is you putting out a one pager and you see many people actually getting into the waiting list so that's a very good um, parameter that you can use and understand that people actually looking for the product 
maybe it's something more deep technology and then you need to to do this yourself so putting up the cells and, and don't wait don't waste your time and start also not always you can you need to to write lines of code it's complicated it's it's time consuming it costs a lot of money if you can use platform just as a proof of concept all right if you can use Google Home and uh, uh, Google Form and connect it uh, uh, through some Zapier uh, yeah. integration into somewhere else and send in an email and do 50% yourself behind the scenes. Yeah. It's still okay. You don't need to, don't think about the operation and the technology in the beginning. Think about the customer. Be a customer centric, yeah. customer obsessed. That's the approach I think you, I would recommend for people to take. Um, and then iterate, like always build, measure, learn, and, and walk in short cycles and try to base your decision on data. Most of cases, you will maybe have 20, 30% of the data you actually need to get a decision. But that's okay, because if you're making a mistake, just make sure to fix in them fast. And I think this is way better than not getting decision at all. So yeah. um, break fast and fix fast. Yes, uh, interesting point about uh, customer centricity, so important. And I did actually hear this analogy the other day. Say you're driving a car, the product team essentially has their foot on the accelerator and the customer has their hands on the steering wheel. So it's basically you're just being guided by the customer. And really that's, um, I guess, that's so important, isn't it? It's crucial. It's crucial and fill the customer, speak with the customer and also put KPIs and OKRs within the company. You need to have some speedometer. If you're driving, first you need to, to understand where you are driving to. Yeah. And then you need to show if you actually uh, get into the destination, right? So monitoring this stuff and by just making some, some goals, quarterly goals, and then monitoring them weekly or monthly or however you feel like and see if you are heading to the right way. Um, it's difficult, easy to say how to do, um, but this is something that needs to put some critical thinking around yep. and you will find a way. So do you have any tips then um, for strategically scaling an organization like yourself? Um, that's a great question. You know, this is the stage our company is in scaling. Um, I would say it's a lot of the um, experiments and reading. And always if you can read and, and understand from other people's mistakes, that's fast. But sometimes you can, you just need to jump into deep water. And for example, marketing via sales, uh, that's yep. a big budget. And uh, maybe both, maybe marketing, maybe it's a, a low a, a low touch product or a product that low growth and strategy and that you want to implement. Maybe it's more of a, you need to have a sales team, a robust sales team and work on prospecting. Maybe it's based on channels. So as, as uh, in essence, and particularly speaking about growth, I will say you will need to try, you need good people around you. Um, understand about the marketing itself, how you can be unique and different and i think that's really important once you're building up your branding um and then when you're going out the market um 
you know, it's it's exploration, keeping it always and always walk with data. Um, I see some friends that doing stuff, but it's sometimes difficult to understand what is the con- how many leads did we get? How much did it cost us? And what is the conversion rate from lead to demo, from demo to deal, from lead to deal? And what is the average in this industry? Should we take it higher? And maybe we do something wrong. How we can how we can improve the numbers? Um, so it's it's a work in progress. And um, I will just say, put some good mentors around you, and they will support and help you navigate through this process. And people you trust, and, and also put everything under A/B testing and, and and explore and iterate. Yep, definitely. You mentioned reading. Um, are you referring to like books? Is there any specific books you can recommend to our audience? Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, it's it, it depends for founders. I would recommend um, about the book name uh, uh, "The Art Things About Art Things" um, of uh, I forgot. It. I think it's Ben Anderson, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Great book for founders. It's about the tough decision and all the uh, suck stuff that you will handle in yeah. through the journey. And also the Lean Startups, although I think it's a great, I, I think it's a great book, maybe more focused around B2C, um, but not necessarily. So the Lean Startup, um, it's a must. Um, and also uh, I'm not reading uh, Jeff Bezos. Um, I forgot the name, but this is actually... Uh, and uh, they are all of the letters for investor. It was written from '97. Oh wow! I think till this day. So that's great insight, and and he, he really say and and have great great insights. You know, th- this guy really know what he's doing, and yeah. it's really it, it's really good to learn from him. Uh, so these three books I will highly recommend. There are many others, but uh, you know, let's stick with three. Until the next time. Yeah, there's uh, some good recommendations there. I'm sure I'll read those. Um, well, thank you so much, Mehran, for this session. It's been a great session. Felt like we've covered a lot of ground and hopefully our audience has taken a lot of value from the session. So I guess to conclude today's podcast, can you leave our guests and our audience with some um, some key takeaways or some key tips from yourself, Mehran? Um, I would start with don't overthink, just do it. Um, everything, you never know what's going to happen. And so bringing this approach, just bring all in and understand that if you decide to go into this adventure, you need to have passion. You, you must have passion. You need to have, to be passionate about it because it's going to consume so much time. You can't even imagine how much time. So you have to love what you do because that's going to be the, 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 the inner drive, what's going to drive you. And you don't need to understand everything from day one. Um, along down the road, you will get to meet many, many great people that's going to help you. Um, you will learn from customers, from employees, and from everything you do. And uh, so I would just say, do it, don't overthink. Um, that's my advice. Just do it. It should be a, a slogan. Yeah, I, I think someone used it before, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
appreciate your time today, uh, Mayor Anne. It's been a pleasure, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Alex. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.